I don't believe in no one's scenarios. Data, 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 I cannot make bricks without clay. I don't know where you get your delusions, laser brain. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special Cheeky Scientist radio show. Isaiah here. Today I'm going to talk to you about unemployment. What sparked this radio show is me spending the last nine years plus trying to seek out the actual unemployment data for PhDs for a variety of reasons. Number one, I wanted to convey the reality to PhD students on what was in front of them, as well as to postdocs who had been chasing postdocs, many of them ending up with stints of unemployment, uh, a postdoc ending after several years, ending up unemployed, going to another postdoc, chasing another postdoc, uh, which is, you know, it's it's meaningful that there is a key word or a buzzword called, quote unquote, chasing postdocs now. Uh, There wasn't 10 years ago. Why is that? We're going to talk about it. And I also want to talk about why many PhDs end up unemployed. Right, so if you think of it as a bell curve of reasons, I'm going to talk about the the fattest part of the bell curve, the middle, the what we see most often, and it's not from a lack of value. So what is it? I did a a special webinar today on interviewing, and if you haven't been to any of our webinars, I recommend joining them because we bring on panelists of PhDs who have transitioned, and uh, one was on today, uh, Katarzyna, and she was very adamant and very authentic in her shock that so many PhDs end up unemployed, really struggle in their job search, hers, herself included, that they often go after jobs that don't even require a PhD and struggle even to get those, and that there is this widespread uh, fault, this, this uh, as I read it in a, current, uh, a recent article, this uh, systemic employment crisis in academia, that still persists. A lot of PhDs are realizing right now that there is no academic recovery. The academia is not part of the recovery after the pandemic. In fact, things are worse. We've talked a lot about data coming out where employment uh, of academics, uh, all the way from tenure professorships, full-time adjuncts, trickling all the way down to the, the fellowships and the stipends is down 5 to 8%. There is a... Uh, Journal of, of Human Resources, specifically for academia, for academic positions, that has found this, which is which is surprising because industry wages have gone up, uh, in part due to inflation, in part due to a lot of people not entering or, or getting back into the workforce yet. Uh, so while everything else, the price of everything else is going up, right, the academic wages is going down, and more and more PhDs continue to end up unemployed. Now, I was looking at a lot of data today. And that's, that's another part of what sparked today's radio show. And the data showed that while enrollment into undergrad, undergraduate institutions, undergraduate programs has decreased since the pandemic, guess, guess, the, guess where the one place is where enrollment has increased again? Graduate programs. There are more PhDs than ever before in history being granted still. And none of them are being trained on how to do anything outside of academia because it's the blind leading the blind. They do not, there's no non-lifetime academics in academia. 
at the top of academia or, or in these lifetime professorships, right? Or in these long-term professorships. This is the reality of the situation. It's laughable that you will go to a career counselor in academia as a PhD. There might even be another PhD as the head or the director uh, of a particular uh, counseling department, and they themselves have never worked in industry. Please, somebody explain that to me. So it's no wonder that so many PhDs uh, end up unemployed. Part of it is failure of the system, but there's also a uh, part of it that's a personal responsibility of the PhD themselves. You have to have self-awareness. You have to have professional awareness if you do not want to end up unemployed as a PhD, especially a PhD coming out of a, a graduate program. Having a job lined up when you defend your thesis is highly rare. If you look closely at the data, between 58 to about 82% the highest level, depending on the, the PhD background, of PhD students will be unemployed when they defend. Look around you. You will see PhDs working for free after they defend, sometimes for months, occasionally for over a year. This is mind-boggling. This is not okay. Your, your PI, your advisor, should never allow that unless they're giving you part of their salary. Good luck finding a professor or a PI to do that. Do not ever let a PI, professor, advisor make you feel guilty or make you feel like it's your responsibility. It's noble of you to do extra work to finish a paper. That's advancing their career, not yours, especially if you've gone on to transition into industry. If you're one of the rare PhDs who has been able to overcome obscurity and invisibility in the industry marketplace and get hired, do not be held back by some false sense of duty to your PI, professor, advisor, or anything else. Move forward with your career. Trust me, they're looking out for their careers first and often only. So what is it that holds a lot of PhDs back? What is it that makes a lot of PhDs end up unemployed? PhDs, I think, in large part, from what I've seen over the years, they, we love to work. Like we love, and it's not the work in sense of, you know, I think how the word work gets abused, gets used incorrectly very often. We, we passionately love to do research and to explore and to discover and learn. We are lifetime learners. We, we can comprehend at an extremely high level and it's enjoyable to us. A lot of people, most people are not like that. They do not want to learn. They do not like turning on that analysis part of their brain. In fact, I would argue that the majority of the population is looking for a way to avoid doing that. They're looking for a way to evade reality. They would like to turn their brain off by watching Netflix, entertainment. They're just waiting for the chance to not work, to not turn on the analysis part of their brain. Fact. And I'm saying this in very direct terms to you, PhD, because you are different than the majority of the population. Only 1.6% of the population has a PhD. Now, as a PhD, you have to understand yourself. You have to have this self-awareness because it translates into professional awareness. And the number one reason that PhDs do not get hired, they end up unemployed, that is the answer, a lack of professional awareness, a lack of understanding yourself. There are three things I want to talk about, values, social norms, and language. Values, social norms, and language. Okay, so what are your professional values? Your values 
get you to your goals. Your values are the how, the goals are the what. In academia, there's a set of academic values. These values end up achieving the end goal of academia. So academia is broken because of its values. It has placed a value on learning only. Very little translational work is done. Almost zero development work is done. Some places are trying to change this, but that has led to what? A bunch of people who are really good at getting stuck in a learning loop, really good at talking theory, but not able to produce anything that will sustain academia. So when people stop donating money, when there's no more room to increase tuition for undergrads to prop up higher education, you get the result of those academic values. What about the values of industry? How are they different? In industry, the goal is to produce something valuable to a market. These are very simple concepts that you will be asked about on an industry interview on a phone screen using very common interview questions such as, do you know why we have a job opening here? Do you know why this position is available? Do you know, even if they ask you more uh, questions that are business acumen focused, traditional business administration questions, do you know what cost of goods sold are? This all comes back to the values of industry, of production, of performance. Whereas academia, again, there's a different set of values, a value of tenure, right? The, the peak achievement is actually called tenure. Because performance is not rewarded, production is not rewarded, tenure is rewarded. The length of time that you've stayed in academia. And of course, this doesn't work. It's not sustainable, which is why tenure positions are almost null, right? They're, they're down to below 5% at the last numbers I looked at. 5% used to be upwards of 70% just in the 1970s. PhDs who went on to be able to become tenured professors. Why doesn't it exist anymore? Because universities, academia, they're split in their values now. So they push PhDs and, and professors, adjuncts, et cetera, unfortunately, in two directions. Chase you know, this value of tenure, but at the same time, chase this value of bringing in money and getting grants for us as well. So chase tenure and production at the same time. Good luck. And this, this fracture, right? this fork in the road, this is a, a big part of the problem that all PhDs face. And when the disillusionment happens, when you realize that you will not be a professor, when you realize that you can't achieve both of those, that's when we see most PhDs start looking for other options. And that's when most PhDs turn towards industry and start asking questions, how do I get an industry? And they think very tactically. They start by thinking, well, I, I just got to upload my resume. You know, it's just about getting the right resume. It's just about the right LinkedIn profile. No, no. You have to change your mindset first from an academic mindset to an industry mindset. And that starts with changing your values. Your value now is to show commitment to an organization, commitment to a job, to talk about what you've done 
and how it has made you the best candidate for a position and to be able to pitch yourself as the best candidate to show confirmation bias. There's another difference in values. In academia, you want to avoid confirmation bias at all costs. You really want to avoid emotion or taking ownership using the word I at all costs. In industry, you want to use much more active language. You want to have almost a complete opposite of those values. You want to show confirmation bias. Bias that you're the best person for the position at hand. You want to leverage the transferable skill that's important to employers of following up over and over again. They value this. In academia, they do not value follow-up. Instead, they ask, why would this person follow up? This is annoying. Just think of how you view a sales and support specialist from an antibody company that comes in your lab or from a, a, a sales rep that maybe has come in to your classroom to, to sell you materials or when you have to get on the phone to talk to a rep, if you've ever had to do that. The values are different. So you better learn new values and focus on them. There's an old saying that says, chase two rabbits, catch none. You cannot have two sets of values. You have to change your values first. Number two, you have to change the social, the social norms you're following, which are tied closely to values, but we're getting a little bit more practical now. Again, in industry, the social norm is to follow up. Many industry employers, employees working at a company, they, they will not respond to you the first time you cold contact them on LinkedIn. They'll see the name, but they'll purposely wait for this third, fourth time for you to reach out before they respond to you. Part of this is that there's so many people reaching out to them. But another part of this is that it's the, their value and it's the social norm to see if a candidate has enough stamina, enough desire for a role or enough desire for help to reach out more than once. Negotiating, not a social norm in academia. It is what it is. You will actually be looked down on if you try to negotiate. And if it's ever done, it's very gently. In industry, they see a candidate who negotiates as more valuable than a candidate who doesn't. You're more likely to have a agreement or contract pulled because you didn't negotiate. It's a different social norm. And if you violate the social norms of industry, you will never be hired. Another one, again, coming back to confirmation bias, right? The value, let's talk about the social norm that's connected to that. If an employer starts probing how serious you are about the, the role that you want with questions like, would you take another role here? Well, why do you want to work at this company versus another company? What are they testing? How committed you are to the position, how much bias you have for the position at hand, how much bias you have for yourself being the best candidate for the position. Why should we hire you and not another candidate? They want to see that you can avoid, right, following the social norm in academia that has been hammered into you, right, very insidiously, just uh, almost... Uh, in, a, in a, just a, a repetitive fashion, you probably didn't even realize all of the changes you've made. Do you even remember a time when you were able to write without using the word furthermore or moreover? That's getting into lang language, which I'm going to talk about next, which is even more practical. But coming back to the social norms, it's very important for you to understand that you will never get an industry job 
and you will end up unemployed if you do not start following the social norms of industry. And the best way to learn the social norms of industry is to get around people working in industry, PhDs who have transitioned into industry, set up informational interviews, talk and learn through the experience of conversation. This is crucial to do because you'll start to see what's normal in industry and it's going to challenge a lot of your beliefs. It's going to challenge a lot of your academic social norms. Third and finally, language. Right? I just gave you the example of using the word moreover, furthermore. Think of all the language that you use in academia, all the nomenclature that you learned, even for your niche-specific field. Many PhDs come to me and say, I can't find any jobs that fit my PhD background. And they're literally looking for job titles that match their background, like immunology specialist. Sorry, doesn't exist. We're very, very rarely in industry. Instead, it's senior scientist. Sometimes it's just researcher or even just analyst. Different languages used. Transferable skills to academics sound so basic. Time management, product knowledge, change management, risk mitigation. It's a different language, cross-functional collaboration. Are you learning the language of industry? If not, you will end up unemployed. Understanding yourself, understanding the values that you need to get aligned with to get a job in industry, understanding the social norms that you need to stop violating to get hired in industry, understanding the language that industry employers speak. And it goes beyond that. It's deeper, right? There's the language of industry, but there's also the language of that specific company you're applying to. And you can learn a lot of it by picking apart the job posting, reading it out loud, taking 30 to 50 keywords from the job posting, put it, putting it into a spreadsheet. See what you learn. No word is put on a job posting by accident. The last thing I want to discuss is, do you know who you are? Do you know what drives you? Do you even know that you are more driven than the average individual? Do you know that you're competitive? You might hate that word. You may not, might, may not want to be associated with that word, but I can tell you, after working with thousands of PhDs, many in person, many who I've given a DISC profile to or a Myers-Briggs profile, just to see that what trends and personality types, none of these tests are perfect. Some of them are very far from perfect. But what I can tell you over and over again is PhDs are very driven as a whole. In terms of a DISC profile, it, it really just puts a personality type into combinations of uh, four styles, uh, more of a dominant style, more of an influencer style, uh, conscientious style, like analytical, and then uh, uh, finally more of a stable. Think of like a H, an HR uh, person, professional. They want to keep the peace, make sure things are stable, protect the culture of a company. That's an... Uh, an example of a high S individual. 83% of PhDs who I've given this test to are DC personality styles. I'm guessing you might be too. DC, dominant, conscientious. Really what that means is, you know, those words, again, I think turn off a lot of PhDs. Think of it this way, driven, analytical. You hear analytical, you're like, of course. But do you know how driven you are? It, and it's more complex. You're highly driven, but you do not want people to think of you as highly driven. Something to know about yourself. Why do I mention this? Because a lot of PhDs, that also splits their focus. 
and it acts like a, a fissure going down who they are on the inside, going down the middle of every decision that they make. It splits you in half and it makes you lose your effectiveness, especially in an industry job search. What if you started showing employers a more unified, aligned, centered version of yourself where it was okay for you to say you're highly driven, where it was okay for you to show your enthusiasm for the role that you applied to? It was okay for you to even get a little bit passionate or emotional for the role that you want, to talk about how you like to compete in a certain way where it produces the best data or information or product that will help people. But at the same time, you like to be meticulous when looking at that data or information. What if you presented yourself that way? What if you went all in instead of letting yourself be split down the middle, trying to hide the fact that you're driven, maybe even being, you know, feeling guilty about it? And at the same time, being highly driven and wanting more for yourself. You deserve to get into a high-level industry job that leverages your PhD and that compensates you extremely well for it. And the only way to do that, the only way to get hired into an industry job to avoid un- unemployment is to recognize the values that are driving you, the social norms that you're following, and the language that you are using. This takes us to the end of today's radio show. If you want to learn more about Cheeky Scientists, go to PhDs Get Hired. That'll take you to the Cheeky Scientist Association, our flagship program that gets PhDs hired into the industry job. I'd love to work with you, get you hired. Uh, We also have a special Diamond Association program that's coming out. If you're interested in learning more about that, you can email our support team at support at cheekyscientist.com. Just put Diamond in the subject line. They will get back to you right away. That, that's a new program that will give that gives you a chance to work with me one-on-one. I'm very excited about it. Again, if you're interested in it, if you want to learn more about it, email support at cheekyscientist.com with diamond in the subject line. Until then, remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. I'm Isaiah Henkel, the founder of Cheeky Scientist and the creator of the Cheeky Scientist Association. I wanted to quickly tell you that memberships into the association are available to PhDs listening to Cheeky Scientist Radio by using the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com, PhDs. G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll down to the orange membership button and click on it, then enter the coupon code CheekyRadio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. That's CheekyRadio, C-H-E-E-K-Y-R-A-D-I-O. Remember your value as a PhD and start thinking and acting like a successful industry professional. Are you worried about the rapidly shrinking job market? Like me, have you been seeing more and more articles on universities shutting down their research labs, furloughing employees, cutting postdocs and TAs, and even withdrawing PhD student funding? If so, 
it might be wise to start taking steps to protect your PhD career. You've worked very hard and very intelligently for years to establish yourself, but likely you have not reached your full career potential yet. Perhaps you're not even getting respect and you're not getting the rewards that you deserve. The good news is you can get into an industry career where you can get paid well for doing meaningful work. All you need is the right knowledge and the right network. The Cheeky Scientist Association gives you lifetime access to the world's number one PhD-only job search training platform with multiple courses and the PhD-only job referral network of over 10,000-plus industry PhDs. Now is your chance to become a lifetime member for 20% off of the association. Just use the coupon code CheekyRadio at www.phdsgethired.com. That's phdsgethired.com. P-H-D-S-G-E-T-H-I-R-E-D.com. Simply type phdsgethired.com into your website browser, scroll to the orange membership button, and click on it. And enter the coupon code Cheeky Radio to get 20% off a lifetime membership now. No recurring monthly fees, no recurring annual fees. Nobody else offers this. PhDsgethired.com. Use the coupon code Cheeky Radio. Remember your value as a PhD, and remember that knowledge is power and your network is your net worth. <laughs> 